What is going on, everybody? This is Seth back again with another Defense Wins Fantasy Podcast, part of the Fantasy Holics Podcast Network. Now, if you haven't checked this out yet, we've got another podcast that started this week, Fat Boys Dynasty. They got a, a lot of good content going on over there. They're going more specific on the offensive dynasty, what most people play. You know, I'm the weirdo that's playing the IDP over here and getting really deep into cornerbacks and safeties because that's what everybody wants to talk about, or at least I do. So, But anyway, those guys got it going. Um, go ahead, and if you like and follow our, our Spotify or on Apple, you'll be able to get those automatically. We're on all the same page. So every day, you know, check back, and you'll get some more content. We're growing and growing with our podcast so continuing to see more and more content to be evolved so definitely do the like and follow because even if you're not into idp we've got a little bit of everything and we're going to continue to give you more and more content as it goes on but yeah so definitely check them out they they stream on tuesday nights uh so it's available late tuesday early wednesday great listen on your drive to work on wednesday morning that's what i did this week Um, so take advantage of that Speaking of taking advantage, that's the first thing that I really wanted to talk about today is when we're talking IDP, taking advantage of your player positions is imperative. That's one thing that people kind of get lost in the shuffle. They look at the big names, they know the defensive players, and they're like, you know, this guy, he's going to do well. And, you know, they are good. But when you're maybe waiting a little bit on those defensive linemen, waiting a little bit on the cornerbacks, you start looking into some of these kind of switchblade-type players, the guys that are available for multiple positions on your defense. What I mean by that is if you're playing in a D-line, linebacker, DB league, look for linebackers that can be put in the defensive line spot where they play that outside linebacker role in a 3-4 defense or something like that where they might not be a a bigger-name linebacker, But they're still going to get tackles like a linebacker, or at least they're going to get tackles like a high-end defensive end. And they're still going to have that sack opportunity. Now, we're not talking about the T.J. Watts kind of people, but we're talking about maybe uh, Leonard Floyd, for instance, for, for the Rams. That guy is a linebacker, but in a lot of leagues, he's available on D line as well. That gives you that higher tackle potential week to week while also having the sack capability that a lot of the defensive ends will have as well. So it's a perfect example of a guy that you might be able to get late in a startup draft, late in um, in your rookie drafts. Look for guys that are have multiple position capability. On top of that, it allows you to not carry as many defensive players on your team because of their versatility and maybe stack up on a few more promising offensive players. Uh, the more... Focus on that is if you go into the D-tackle, D-end, linebacker, safety, cornerback type IDP league, you take advantage of the D-tackle availability for D-ends. That's going to be something that's going to help you out. But the biggest impact of all of these, I think, is safeties that can play your corner spot. They're consistency cheat codes in my mind. So make sure you understand your scoring system. And if you do, most of the time you'll realize that a safety getting five tackles a game is better than a corner that gets a pick every three games. So set your team defense up for consistency, and that'll allow you to always be in the running week to week and when it comes to time to win the fantasy championships. Consistency wins championships. 
high-level spark guys, those are the teams that get beat in the playoffs because they don't have that big game in the playoffs that help you out. The chances of you getting that every round in the playoffs are slim. So go with the consistency so that you can weather the storm and take care of business on the offensive side of the ball. So diving in to our cornerbacks, uh, as I just kind of talked about that, the very first one on my list for the rookie cornerbacks, we're going to go over the top five tonight, is Daxton Hill. Cornerback slash safety, drafted in the first round of the Bengals. This guy's a Swiss Army knife, versatile. He can play anywhere on the field. Single high safety, cool. Nickel, great. Outside corner, absolutely. He, uh, he's aligned at dime linebacker as well. Coming out of Michigan, he's played it all. And his toughness is exactly what a defensive coordinator is looking for in the back. He's, he's willing to be creative. He's willing to be utilized. He's willing to do whatever is needed. And in that Cincinnati Bengals defense, he's going to be flexed all over the field. That's the reason for me having him number one is my, that I, my expectations for him playing at safety um, as well as some corners in year one is definitely high. Safety has more opportunities for tackles, as we kind of talked about in my kind of cheat code philosophy there. Um, but you, the sole reason that I like him over Sauce and, and Stingley is because he has that capability to get more tackles because he's going to be playing some safety. But he's cornerback eligible, and that's what we really care about. That's what we want to focus on when we're trying to build our team. And when it comes to fantasy, as I said earlier, multi-position availability is absolutely an advantage that everyone should be taking advantage of. He's flashed extremely great range. He's as a single high safety, so I know that he's going to end up there. He possesses straight line speed. He had a 4-3 40-yard dash, so he can get all over the field. And he can go sideline to sideline, no problem. He's extremely great tackler. And he's never been afraid to kind of throw his body in there and try to make the hits. So I have every bit of confidence that he's going to be involved in the run game. The one thing that he is a little bit, little struggle on is that he will overcommit, a little overaggressive, you know, and that'll give him a little bit of liability for cutbacks. And they'll take advantage of that in this, in, you know, in the NFL. But I think that's something that he can grow with knowledge and he'll do better. The other thing is we are talking about dynasty leagues. And when it comes to cornerbacks in dynasty leagues, if they're really good, like, you know, really good corners that get drafted high, your shelf life for them being valuable to your team is one to three years. Because after that, they're going to be too good. And I'll get to that with when we're talking about Stingley and Sauce Gardner a little bit more. But the great thing about Daxon Hill is you know he's probably going to transition to safety. So you might lose that cornerback availability but you'll still have a solid safety coming out of this draft if that ever splits off. And if he stays cornerback safety for five years, holy cow, you hit a gold mine of flexibility on your team as well as getting that cornerback stabilization and consistency week to week by having the tackler of a safety. So number two on my list is Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Sauce is his nickname, pretty cool little story about that. You know, Pee Wee coach called him sauce because he liked a lot of dipping sauces. But uh, anyway, this guy is 6'3", 200 pounds. Drafted number four by the Jets. He is a big man playing cornerback. He's a stout run defender, obviously, being 6'3", 200. Hard for wide receivers to handle him, trying to block him. 
Uh, he's also really good at jamming them on the line of scrimmage, as you can imagine. You know, getting all their routes completely blown up right at the beginning. And his length and aggressive nature makes him a catch point nightmare. He goes up and gets the ball. He has good instincts, good tendencies with that. And he's so consistent and disciplined in his defensive approach, he leaves a, just very little room for air in, in his play style. And that allows him to be there to knock the ball down, to be there to have an opportunity for an interception, or to be there to tackle the guy immediately. All things that are great in a fantasy cornerback. Zone defense is definitely where he's best suited, which is really great that he got drafted by the Jets because they played zone coverage almost 75% of the passing plays last year. They also, the Jets, that is, bolstered their D-line, as I spoke about last episode with Jermaine Johnson. Hopefully, that pressure will help cause some errant thrones, which Sauce can take advantage of. And once again, if he's good as everybody thinks, his best production will be just a couple years of fantasy. You know, so because if he's if he's just a shut down corner, quarterbacks stop throwing that way. It just happens. When you're that good, you just get that respect and you no longer get thrown that way. Then you have to rely on points coming from interceptions, which are a crapshoot, even with the best corners in the league. So the one thing that he does have that kind of gave me a little bit of a one-up with Derek Stingley is that because they run that zone scheme, he has a better chance to stay relevant as long as Robert Salah starts or is still the head coach of that team. Because if that scheme maintains, he's just going to be in the area a lot. Instead of just shutting down one wide receiver, he'll be all over the place. That brings me to our third corner, and that's Derek Stingley. He was drafted number three to the Texans. This guy is six foot 190. He's a big-time competitor, and he's got really impressive film. Bad thing is, you have to go back to 2019 to really appreciate the film. Shut down corner. Nobody's, nobody's questioning that. On man-to-man coverage, you disrupt the timing at the line of scrimmage. Probably the best ball-hawking corner in this draft. His instincts and athleticism helps bring him, put him in the right place at the right time. Um, when healthy, he's able to take wide receivers out of the game. And then once again, as I just talked about, his, uh, his ability to have his best production is probably going to be the first few years in his career, even more so than uh, Sauce Gardner, because I think, like I said, Sauce might have a little bit more with that zone coverage, but I have a feeling Stingley's going to be that shutdown corner, that man-to-man guy. QBs won't, won't want to test the man-to-man skills after he's established, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to be valuable this year and probably into next year. Quarterbacks are going to test him because he's a rookie and they think they can take advantage of him. So he'll have plenty of opportunity to uh, get pass deflections, tackles, and even interceptions in year one. But as stated above, his biggest weakness is the ability to stay on the field you got to be healthy. Availability is one of your best abilities, and you have to be able to play. That's why I was a little shocked that he got drafted so high just because of that you know, concern. But his tape and his talent is worth the draft capital, but you just kind of worry whether or not he's going to be able to sustain it because he hasn't even been really on the field since 2019. 
Moving on, that puts us to number four with Kair Elam. First-round pick by the uh, Buffalo Bills, 6'1", 191. Uh, he goes to the Bills, who desperately needed a help at corner. Not to mention that Tred- uh, Tredavious White is coming off an injury. Uh, so both these things will actually help Elam. You know, he rises up my boards because of those things. He'll have, you know, more opportunity to come in because they need the help and because he has Tredavious White, who at the beginning of the season might not be back. I think he is. There's no questions that he's at this point that he shouldn't be, but you never know. But the other thing with White is that he is a true shutdown corner, which means that Elam's going to have his fair share of volume in year one because they're going to just avoid White, as I talked about with what could happen with Stingley. They just avoid him and they throw to the other side of the field, which means that he's going to have more volume than most corners due to that fact. His draft capital says it'll start quickly, you know, and be on the field often. Uh, And he has his best moments in man coverage. Now, uh, Kair Elam does have some roots in the NFL. His uh, uncle, he's the nephew of Matt Elam, safety for the Ravens uh, that was drafted back in 2013, ironically at number 25 as well. Um, But this guy has man coverage written all over him. He's willing to play in the face of the receivers, up on the line of scrimmage, get his hands up on that press coverage, and, you know, try to once again take wide receivers completely out out of the play. He's a great blend of length, quickness, speed. And I I just think that because of the stud that he has on the other side of the field, he's gonna, he's gonna succeed in fantasy because he's gonna have the opportunities that might be more tackles. That might be more pass deflections. That might be more interceptions. Probably starting out with a few more tackles just because he's going to have to get a little bit more, you know, used to the speed of the NFL. The one thing that he does struggle with is that he is a little bit grabby um, and, and a little too physical at the top of routes, and the NFL is a little bit more aggressive at throwing the flags when that comes, you know, to that. Um, and he's a little, he does struggle a little bit with the twitchy athletes, um, which is not great considering that he went to a division that has Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. So that's, uh, that's going to be a little tough but that's why God gave us safeties. So all in all, I think that uh, Kyrie Elam is going to be a guy that's going to be interesting. And fantasy, you know, dynasty, rookie drafts, I expect him to maybe go third, fourth round. Um, It all kind of just depends on team makeup when it comes to corners. Me personally, I'll take a rookie fourth round. Once again, because you know you're not going to have a lot of shelf life, so I'm not going to spend a high pick on a cornerback that's strictly only a cornerback. Now, when we're talking about Daxton Hill, I would move up or I'd, I'd move that up to maybe a second round draft pick for him. But when we're talking about, you know, the the Kair Elams, the Stingley, and the Sauce Gardeners, I'm, late, I'm thinking late third, early fourth um, in the rookie drafts there because you're going to have the offensive players that are part of IDP. I know a lot of chats or podcasts with IDP only talk about the defensive players because that's what you come to hear. But there is a realization that, you know, offensive players are in the draft too, and that's going to happen. So just know that these guys are going to go a little bit later in the draft, but that's why you want to really do your homework because when you're looking at corners, a lot of your league mates aren't going to be paying attention. And that's where you can kind of get a guy that might end up having a great first year, even a, a couple really good years. And then you trade him 
before he gets that really good peak and get some draft capital back and then draft the next corner coming out of the draft. It's all how you play the game. At number five, we have Trent McDuffie. 5'11", 193, drafted in the first round by the Chiefs at pick 21. Now, speaking of NFL families, Trent McDuffie is the son of O.J. McDuffie, the former wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins who played eight years in the pros. Trent McDuffie does not have that prototypical size that they kind of want for corners. He's 5'11", 193. And with that being said, I do not care at all. He's one of the best tackling corners in this draft. He can fit into any defensive scheme. He has grit and chip on his shoulder, mentality that will just lead him to success. He can cover bigger wide receivers. He can cover shifty wide receivers. He can cover in a zone. He can cover on the phone. He's one of the favorite prospects in the draft, and the fact that he went to the Chiefs will only help his fantasy value. High-passing offenses in the AFC West is going to give McDuffie more opportunities. That being said, he is a little bit smaller, and going into the NFL, that is something of a concern for a lot of people. But like I said, this guy comes to play. He's a fighter. He's going to be in a great position with the Chiefs, and I think that he's a guy that will just be in the right spot at the right time, especially even in his rookie season. So just kind of to recap those top five, number one, I have Daxton Hill, cornerback slash safety. That safety part is why I have him number one. Number two, I have Sauce Gardner, who was drafted number four by the Jets. Number three is Derek Stingley Jr., drafted number three to the Texans. And number four, Kair Elam, drafted number 25 to the Buffalo Bills. And number five was Trent McDuffie, Drafted also in the first round, number 21 by the Chiefs. You might see a trend there. When it comes to corners, draft value matters to get them on the field early. And with Dynasty, you want to get them on the field early for all the reasons that I said. Because once they get better, they get the respect of the quarterbacks and they no longer get the ball thrown their way if they're that good. It's interesting when you talk about cornerbacks because it's the one position and all of fantasy where you want a mediocre player. Because if he's too good, he doesn't get the ball passed to him. And if he's too bad, he gets taken off the field. But if he's just good enough to be there to tackle the guy once he catches it and maybe get a pick or two, you're going to get points every week. So keep that in mind that you're high-end guys, you know. You're not going to get the value out of them that you think you are. You never see a Jalen Ramsey at the top of a scoring list when it comes at the end of the season. You never see anybody that's really, really good. Oh, well, what about, you know, Diggs? Well, you know, Diggs also gave up 1,000 yards himself last year in receiving, in coverage. But he had 10 picks. Great. He was very valuable last year because he also let them catch the ball because he had poor coverage. So... That's the kind of guy that you really might like. And that's what you kind of want to look for. Like I said, mediocrity. Or look for a guy that plays across from a shutdown corner. Because they're going to have more opportunities than normal corners will because of that situation. 
So with that being said, we'll go ahead and move on to uh, my top five safeties. Now, I did not put Daxton Hill in my top five safeties due to I put in him, putting him in that corner area because I think that's where his value's at, and that's where you should be playing him if he's available when it comes time to set your lineups Sunday morning. So top safeties in this draft. I don't think there's going to be any surprise up top. That's Kyle Hamilton, 6'4", 220 pounds, drafted the first round of the Ravens. This guy's a unicorn of sorts talent-wise. Uh, once was thought to be a top three pick in the draft. He falls into a great situation in Baltimore. You know, he's a fantastic, fantastic tackler, run defender. He's an effective tackler all over the field. He has range that's out of this world. He's extremely versatile and can do whatever the Ravens want him to do. Cornerback, great. Safety, super. Linebacker, that works too. Nickel, eh, because, you know, why not? Versatility makes him an asset because now he's going to be on the field every down and distance. Doesn't matter. And there's no scheme that won't fit him. Hamilton will fit the scheme. His strengths are tackling, play recognition. He's great in coverage, special teams. I know, right? I don't think they'll probably use him in special teams, but they could. He's very good at it. They had him do it at Notre Dame. Run defense, Solid. Being 6'4", 220 safety. Yeah, you're a linebacker, dude. That is linebacker size. Maybe a little light, but you're going to be able to cover the field like nobody else. He covers the space with the ball in the air. He can play that center field, and he can defend passes across the middle. You know, if you really want to see an example of that, go ahead to YouTube. You can pause my podcast. It's okay. You can pause it just for a minute. Go watch David Bell 2021 versus Kyle Hamilton. It's worth it. I'll tell you that right now. Um, so, but as far as weaknesses, you know, he had the slow 40 time, which dropped him down the draft some. People are a little concerned about that. But when you watch him play, I don't see, you know, slowness. I don't think that he plays like his 40 time says he does. And when we do the underwear Olympics, it just kind of baffles me that people will take so much into account that information, but not actually watch him outrunning guys on defense in full pads. If they want to get a true accurate of that, put them in pads and make them run, and we'll see who the fastest is. And he does have some injury concerns. So he, he did miss a lot of this last year, so there is that concern as well. But uh, he's one of those guys, as far as safety goes, that is a unicorn, and if you're able to try to get him in your draft, great. Once again, it kind of depends. This is a weaker offensive draft, in my opinion, than most years' dynasty. There's some great wide receivers, a little weak on running backs. Quarterbacks don't bother. So it's a kind of guy that you might take a chance on and see what you can get out of him um, because if he's as good as advertised, you're going to have a guy that probably for 10 years you just put him, set him, and forget him on your defense and know you're going to have a solid output. My number two safety is Lewis Seen, 6'2", 199, Drafted the first round of the Vikings after they traded out of 12 um, to move all the way back to 32. He's a big-time hitting safety. Uh, he doesn't shy away from tackling, that is for sure. Uh, he's the kind of safety that will make people think twice about going over the middle, um, not really wanting to do that, you know, the John Lynch type. Um, but fantasy-wise, his run support is his best asset. Uh, it'll help raise his floor because he's going to be involved in the tackles. As far as his strengths, as I said before, 
He's going to hit you. He's going to hit you so hard, your mama's going to feel it. He likes to hit people. His run support's great. He reads the run lanes well. He's in the right spot at the right time. He's a phenomenal open field tackler. He's got quickness. He's got versatility to be able to move around. He moved around a lot in that Georgia defense. Uh, And he could be slotted to play linebacker at times. Once again, he's not afraid to take on blocks. He's not afraid to try to hit those run lanes. There are some weaknesses, as, as most people have, you know, making the plays in coverage. He only has two career interceptions, but he had so many more left on the field. that He just didn't quite make the play, just off his fingertips, just didn't come down with it. There was a lot of just that kind of bothered me a little bit, and he's a little too aggressive at times. Once again, when you have a guy that wants to hit people that hard, over-aggressiveness is pretty common and he is average size you know 6'2 199 not really really big um, but not not small by any stretch of the imagination but the way he plays puts his body on the line and so you got to have a little bit of a concern with how that will translate to the bigger stronger NFL players he's going to be coming up against moving on to uh, number three is uh, Jaquan Brisker, 6'1", 199, drafted to the Bears. Now, he's uh, he's got a heck of a tackling radiance. He's long. Uh, he has great acceleration. He's good at closing ground. And, and really, one thing I really liked about his tape is that he squares up for his hits. He doesn't, he doesn't do reach tackles. He really comes in, sets his feet, and, and wraps up the tackler. Um, but he'll he'll smack the taste out of your mouth too. I mean, he he's gonna be running downhill towards the line of scrimmage. He's been able to make significant uh, impact in the backfield all season. Well, he had six tackles for a loss coming from the safety spot. So you know he's able to read the defenses. He's timing it up well, and he's capable of doing everything that you need to be successful at the line of scrimmage. Let alone just being you know in your safety area. So he he he's one. One great thing about him, and that's why he's at number three for me, is the landing spot. The Bears are, give him an easy path to playing time, and he should be a valuable part of, the, of Matt Eberflus's defense. Uh, Matt Eberflus, if you don't know, was the Colts defensive coordinator last year, now the head coach of the um, Bears. So last year, Julian Blackman and Kair Willis, uh, these are two safeties for the Colts, if you're not uh, in the know. Uh, Blackman tore his Achilles in October. Um, Kair Willis took over for him. Those two players combined for 97 tackles, five passes defended, two picks, and a sack and a half. That would have been the best safety in the league. And I know it's like, well, there might have been some overlap, Seth. You know, their stats for those two guys are combined games. I'm not saying there isn't some of that. But, Blackman played in six games and Willis played in 11. So there's not, you know, not much overlap in terms of the 17 game season. I say all of this just to show you that the avenue for Brisker to become a fantasy beast is there. And they, they drafted him with high capital. They drafted him to come in and play immediately. And he's going to be impactful in that defense. He's going to be a guy that gets a lot of tackles. He's going to be the guy that's going to be on the line of scrimmage, getting tackles for loss, possibly getting in there for some sacks, and being able to cover you know, the field as well. It's a guy that you need to keep an eye on and make sure that when it gets a little later in your drafts, you might pull the trigger on this guy because, once again, I think he has the opportunity 
to become one of the top 10 safeties in IDP leagues. Not year one, but give it a few years, get them a little bit more skilled, a little bit more knowledgeable, a little bit more, you know, up to snuff, if you will. And I think that he's going to he's gonna take over that Bears defense. Number four, I've got Jalen Petrie. This guy was drafted in the second round of the Texans. He's six foot, 212. And the safety or the Texans are a big need of safety help. I personally thought that they might go either three or 13 for Kyle Hamilton. Um, so they need him badly on this team. So he's going to play. And he's a force at safety as well. He's a one again, once again, a great run defender and great tackler. His coverage skills are solid, um, but it's hard to gauge how good he is um, because he was really limited at Baylor um, just because of how they used him. They didn't really use him a lot in coverage. They used him a little bit more as kind of a hybrid linebacker role coming up on the line of scrimmage. Um, but he best showcased his range by playing the run. He's got closing speed to be able to play sideline to sideline, make the tackles. In the passing game is where we think that he has room to improve. But, once again, if the guy catches the ball, he can now tackle him and get fantasy points. So, not the worst thing in the world. Petri also competes at a high level. Um, like as I said, the run game is the biggest focus on, on his, his ability. And he's willing to battle with tackles, tight ends to set the edge. He's willing to chase down the ball sideline to sideline. Uh, full, he's a full field pursuit player. So he's not going to quit on a play. He's going to be getting a few tackles from behind and tripping people up. Once again, all those count as fantasy. But once again, as I stated, as for fantasy goes, him being a little bit weak in coverage might allow him to get a few more tackles. Because if the guy's open and catches it, Guess who's there to tackle it? Not always the worst thing. But when it comes to safeties, when you're kind of that last hope, you want to make sure that your coverage is squared up. So that's something he'll have to work on at the next level. And my final safety that I'm going to talk about tonight is Nick Cross. Six foot, 212 pounds. He was a third round pick for the Colts. So he doesn't have as high a draft capital, but the Colts traded back into the third round to get him. So that tells me that they really wanted to make sure they got him on his team. He saw snaps at um, in the past at slot, box, and single high safety. Led, led men, uh, Maryland with interceptions each of the last three seasons. That's the one thing that he is probably on my list is the guy that has the most opportunity for interceptions, maybe minus Kyle Hamilton. Um, but he's got above average speed. He's got great closing bursts. And he plays with violence, and he's not afraid to hit guys coming across the middle. His coverage awareness has gotten better and better every year that he's been at Maryland. And his uh, decision-making and discipline, though, although it can be inconsistent, especially in man coverage, he has been getting better. Let's just say that. He's been getting better. Uh, he's also a little bit of an inconsistent risk-taker, um, and teams that will they'll have up and downs as he grows. And I'm not expecting this guy to start, mind you, week one for for the Colts. Um, but he has that explosive speed. He's a heck of an athlete, and he's got downhill toughness. Basically, it's the NFL starter kit. He's fast. He's good sideline to sideline. He has the ability to intercept the ball, uh, but he needs to learn more. 
this is a guy that you might have to give a year before you see really consistent production. So if you have a league where you play in a taxi squad, where you have a few guys that can sit off to the side and you don't play him in year one, he would be a great candidate for that. He comes into a crowded but not extremely talented safety room. Um, and the fact that the Colts traded back into the third round really helps his overall value for the team. He'll also be able to get on the field in many different ways uh, due to his versatility. But, uh, you know, if, like I said, he's the kind of guy that you could really stash. Maybe the last round of your draft, kind of grab him and just put him put him on the uh, on the taxi squad, on your, you know, practice squad per se, to be able to take advantage of him when he becomes the starter there. So that being said, that was my top five safeties. We'll go back over those. Kyle Hamilton, number one. Number two was Lewis Seen. Number three, Jaquan Brisker. Number four, Jalen Petrie. And number five, Nick Cross. And that's all I've got for tonight. Um, once again, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. We, uh, we're continuing to build the Fantasy Holics podcast network, as I said. Make sure you check out those the Fat Boys Dynasty. They, they're on Tuesday nights, and we're going to continue to bring you more and more content so that as we get closer to the season, you're going to be ready, prepared for your drafts, ready to take home those championships. But once again, if you have any questions, concerns, Anything that, you know, we're in the midst of the off-season trade time with IDP leagues. If you have any questions about this for that, be happy to help you out. The big thing with IDP, though, is your league's scoring format will matter so much more. So just make sure that you include that information in there. Try to help me out with decision-making and all of that. You can reach out at the Fantasyholics Facebook page as well as uh, just respond to, to the Spotify questions area on the podcast here but best chances on the facebook page with all that being said um it's been a pleasure talking to you guys again this evening once again i'm really excited in a few more weeks to go through how truly imperative fantasy football idp can be the way god intended it to be we'll talk about the scoring that will make it more fun make it more even make it more balanced and just all in general more enjoyable so that's all i've got i want to thank you guys once again for being along for the ride we'll see you next thursday with defense wins fantasy this podcast has been presented by the fantasy holics podcast network